0: The following program is all about the Big D. Taking on the Big D can feel so good at the time, but too much can leave you flat on your back. Debt. I I meant debt. Okay. It's important to know the information and advice in this podcast is general only. We are not experts. You should consider the advice in regards to your own financial situation and needs. To get something tailored to your circumstances... See the professionals.
1: Hello, this is the credit department. Your account is overdue and we have not received payment. This is the second call regarding this payment. If you cannot pay within seven days, our solicitors will begin court proceedings.
2: How much does that chill you to the bone? And it's not even for you. But it's awful, right? And people are receiving these calls every single day. Look around you right now, at work, on the train, on the school run. Three out of four of those people are living with debt. This episode of The Pineapple Project is going to feel a little different. Because this is a heavy subject. I'm Claire Hooper. This is The Pineapple Project, and I'm about to get really honest with you. Credit card debt is my Achilles heel. I've got four cards, and the total debt comes to just shy of $18,000. I'm right there with you. By the end of this episode, we're gonna have an action plan to deal with our debt. The thing about dead is it sneaks up on you. It can happen really quickly and it doesn't discriminate. Like, there are a lot of really smart people who are in pretty big sinkholes. Like, there's dumb people like me, but there's also smart people. Like, you wouldn't expect it to happen to an accountant, would you? But that's exactly what happened to Najla.
1: The first time I got a credit card, I felt so proud of myself. Like I felt, oh, I'm, I'm worth something. The bank is giving me a credit card on my own name. But no, that's this, that was the start of it. I am Najla Nitu. I am an accountant by profession. But I was in close to 50 grand worth of debt. Five years ago, I saw myself... Out of the home with my husband, in the process of getting divorced, having like a thousand bucks in my pocket, we did the asset settlement and I got the investment property, which now in hindsight, when I look at it, was not a very smart financial move. But the state of emotion I was in at the time, I just wanted no interaction with that man ever again. And the only thing attaching us was our financial matters. So rather than sell the
2: house and the financial property, divide the money, you just were like, I'll just take one of them. Yes. Did it still have a mortgage? Yes. And so you were left having to pay the mortgage on this property? Correct. Najla rented out the property, but it wasn't enough to cover her costs. She still had to pay council fees and body corporate rates, while at the same time she was trying to rebuild her life, paying rent and bills all in her own place. And on top of that, for the first time in a long time, she felt free. She says she wanted to throw off the shackles and enjoy her life, shopping, eating out, treating
1: herself, finding out who she was. Because I was in my mid-20s, I haven't seen much, and I just wanted to enjoy and be happy. So my thing was going to a cafe, sit down, have a book, have a meal by myself. I really enjoy that. So I will go. I will do that. I will, you know, go to the markets, go to little quirky little shops that we have all around, just explore and enjoy. And the other thing as well is I live here alone. I don't have many friends. And for me, it was when I was alone, I didn't have friends. It's not interesting to just stay at home. It's like, oh, I'd rather, you know, even if I'm in a a cafe all by myself, at least I'm surrounded by people and like I'll make friends with the shop owners and when I go in, I'll have a bit of a chat. It was a bit of that as well. It was belonging, feeling like I belong somewhere. Because after my divorce, it was a very big identity crisis for me. I didn't know who I was anymore and I guess doing all these things was my search for meaning as well and um, it just costed me a lot of money. <laughs> things started to snowball. The bank would send letters and go, oh, did you want to increase on your credit card limit? I just went, yes. And, you know, now in hindsight that we are talking and I'm looking at this the first time I got a credit card I felt so proud of myself like I felt oh I'm I'm worth something the bank is giving me a credit card on my own name but no that's the that was the start of it because then the bank just went I'll give you more money go spend it did you end up with more than
2: one credit card
1: I ended up at one point in my life with four credit cards there were close to being maxed out.
2: How were you paying the credit cards?
1: I was shuffling money around. I would pay a little bit on this card, a little bit on the other card. I'd take up a card as a balance transfer and pay up one card, but then I'd end up, you know, using a bit of the other card because I've paid it up. And a lot of it, of a lot of my money as well was spent on self-development courses. And in the beginning, it was those Get rich quick schemes out there, and I spent easily a good 15 grand on those get rich quick schemes where it's you know going to do a course, or the course is in Sydney, so I have to rack up travel and accommodation costs to do all these things.
2: Did they have any positive impact on your life? No, they
1: just cost you money. They did, it's not get rich quick, it's get pull quick schemes. That's how they need to be called. She'd racked up all this debt and then there was the investment
2: property too that she couldn't keep up with. Things were piling up.
1: Bills after bills, reminders after reminders. Oh Yeah, I used to get reminders after reminders and then at one point I would just look at them and just put them in the bin. And that was the other thing. That was the other thing that maybe people don't get... or It's annoying when you are, you know, going on about your day and then you get a phone call. Oh, I'm calling from such and such. Your account is overdue. Then you get another phone call. Then you're constantly in that space of people chasing you up.
2: Then it all came crashing down.
1: The big wake-up call happened when I was at work at my lunch break when I opened the letter and it was there in front of me, black and white, that the bank has taken over the property. I remember that day so clearly.
2: Why did you open it at work?
1: Because I didn't know what it was. Like it was a it was a letter from the lawyers and I, I didn't know I didn't know those lawyers. It was the bank lawyers. Because when I left home that morning, I checked my letterbox, there was a couple of letters, so I just popped it into my bag. So when I got to work, I opened it and I went. Everything in that room went blurry for a second. And I saw myself get up, went to the bathroom on a different floor because I didn't want anyone that I know to walk in. And I just screamed my lungs out and I cried. And it, I just went, how did I let that happen? And I cried.
2: Oh, it's scary how quickly and easily it can happen. One minute you're married with an investment property and a house, the next you've got four credit cards, the bank is coming for you and you're screaming in the toilets at work. It's such a hard thing to talk about. But now that we have... It's amazing how many of us are in the same boat. This is
3: Natalie Livingstone. It was extremely grim at times. I like could um i got gone crazy with the credit cards eighteen and then i wanted um I needed to buy a car to get to my job and um you know took out a small loan, but then that I took out a little bit extra to do some extra things. I can't remember what those things were. It's probably a holiday. I know, totally frivolous. Um, And then I got to a point where I couldn't make those repayments. I, I kind of hit rock bottom financially, if you like, where I defaulted and I was like on the black list of people not to give credit to and... It looks like it causes you pain just to remember it. What was it it like to live with it? Oh, God, it was a really dark time. Like, it really was. Um, And, you know, I was, like, struggling with depression at the time as well. Like, it just, it ruins your life because you just... You have no money, which is why you're in that position in the first place, and then they make you feel really shit about not having any money. Did your parents, did your friends know? My mum did, but none of my friends did. No, I didn't tell any of them. So um, I had to use a debt management company to help me out of it because I was being hounded by calls of you've not paid this, sending me mean letters saying, you know, if you don't pay this we're going to, you know, come and bashy doors in or whatever i don't know but it was gen- threatening letters like the bank sends you know when you're at the at the bad end of you know you're not their favorite anymore she paid it off it took her 10 years to pay off her
2: 30k debt but she did that's awesome right but old
3: habits die hard and then i came out to australia and um needed to go back to england because my mum got sick and then my friend was having a wedding and I so I was just like, right, I need a credit card because I can't afford the flights. And then I'm kind of back into that cycle of I've got a credit card in my wallet and there might only be like a couple of hundred dollars left on it once I've put the flights on or whatever. But, you know, if I need some shopping or this and that and it's just that adjusting period once I got that card again was quite hard and I think it's been a bit of a upsy-downsy struggle since then like I shouldn't have got it um, there will be someone listening
2: right now who is actually in the middle of a mess like that and what would you say is the first step
3: is to probably admit that you have a yeah. problem it's yeah. like blooming aa 101 <laughs> but um, just go go and get help
2: Claire Takon is the help she's the angel who answers the phone to stories like Natalie and Najla's every single day. Yeah, so I work at the National Debt Helpline, which is a
0: phone-based financial counselling service. So a financial counsellor is a free, independent, government-funded professional who helps people who are in financial hardship, so people who can't afford to pay their bills and debts, and gives information about rights and options yeah, I mean, I think people are very, uh, it takes a lot of courage to call us. So often they, they start off a bit reticent and a bit unsure, and you can f- hear the nerves in their voices, but it's often it just becomes, just floods out, and you can hear what a relief it is to, to actually talk about what is often, um, you know, very shameful to them. But, you know, to speak to a financial counsellor who's totally non judgmental and on their side is, is a big relief.
2: Yeah, that shame must be a big thing. Is that mm. the first thing you say? You say, you're not. The first person to be in debt?
0: Yeah, like, oh, people ask that question yeah. and they say, you know, um, I'm sure there must be other people like like me and,
2: yeah. what What is the worst you've seen? Uh, How bad a problem well, do people bring you? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people
0: have very sad
2: stories.
0: I've spoken to um, a woman uh, last week who was a victim of, of crime, um, quite a, you know, well-known incident that happened. And um, so she'd been struggling all year with after surgery and and, um, mental health issues because of the trauma. She hadn't been able to work and had fallen behind in her mortgage and was in arrears for that and on the verge of losing her her home. You know, she felt like she was just sort of coming back to normality after going through what, you know, really significant trauma and then had this pressure Um, on her from the bank. Yeah, that was sad. Um, I spoke to a woman who was a new mother. She had two two young children and she was separated from her partner who was um, emotionally and verbally abusive, so um, just felt really powerless. She'd incurred some debts for him. Yeah, that was was sad.
2: Are we all Um, just one big life upset away from being in financial trouble?
0: um, I think... Most people are, actually, yeah. There's not many people have enough of a a safety net, you know, if things go wrong or multiple things go wrong. I mean, it just takes, you know, someone to to get sick or or lose their job, especially if they're in their 50s. Uh, I speak to a lot of people who've lost their job in their 50s and they can't find work and they've still got a mortgage to pay and they've been expecting to work another
2: 10 years or more. If you're pricking your ears up here, don't worry, we got you. Later in the series, we're going to learn how to build a buffer, a bit of a safety net. I speak to people every day who are feeling that they have no options
0: and they feel that... There's no nowhere to turn, and you know what I know I can do is make them feel better after speaking to to me. So after speaking to me, they you know they often say what a relief, and you know I've been told I'm the light in in a very dark period for them, or someone told me that I'd given them a sword that they could use to you know to wield when speaking to their bank, and yeah, you can you can hear how how grateful they are to to have someone non-judgmental who is giving them the information they need about their rights and about their options. The worst thing you can do is avoid it. It's much better to face the situation and speak to your creditors uh, and to get advice from a financial counsellor. Another thing to avoid is contacting a debt management or credit repair company. These companies are unregulated and there's no minimum training or professional requirements to give advice to highly stressed people. Uh, they're basically unregulated, so if, if you get into trouble, you haven't got anyone to complain to. And they charge high, f- high fees for things that financial counsellors can do for free. All right, so we're in the thick of it. What are our options? If you're in debt right now, the best thing you can do is call the National Debt Helpline on 1800 007 007 and speak to a qualified financial counsellor about your rights and your options. For anyone who's in debt, there's always options uh, and obviously they would vary depending on the situation. Asking for a long-term payment plan, so ask for the interest to be frozen so you can pay back the debt uh, over time and it's not not going up. You could look into a balance transfer to a 0% credit card but you'd have to be really sure that you could pay back the debt in that time. because often they they revert to really high interest after the the 0% period and we speak to people every day who have who have tried that strategy and it's backfired if you have a home loan it may be possible to refinance your mortgage to reduce the interest rate and another option may be a debt waiver depending on your circumstances Another option may be bankruptcy and anyone considering this would need to get some professional advice from a financial counsellor and uh, weigh up all the pros and cons. Bankruptcy, I think there is a lot of stigma around it but it is essentially a form of debt forgiveness. It wipes the slate clean and it allows a fresh start.
2: So, back to Najla. When we left her, she was in the
1: toilets at work. And she just finished screaming. I finished work that day, I went to I went home and I just opened every single letter which was unopened on, on my desk. Took a notepad and started writing every single thing I owe. And it was just that reality hit me and I went, okay. I cannot keep living like this. This has got to stop. I took my wallet, I took my four credit cards, took a pair of scissors and I chopped them off one by one in tiny little pieces. Not that it makes a difference, but it did to me. <laughs> I remember going through like my little coins and everything, my whole bank balance and go, this is how much money I have. This is how much I'm going to live on. There, so then I moved out. I was living in a pretty expensive, for me it was costing me a fair bit of money, so I moved a bit away from the city to, you know, pay cheaper rent, go sharing, I even did that to cut down my expenses. I guess I had to have a really good look at myself and really go, do you really need that Uber ride when you can catch the train to go to that place? Do you really need to eat out tonight? Can't you just go home and cook and eat? You know, it was it's in the little things. You know, you, you find ways to have enjoyment in life, but you didn't have to cost as much money. I can't wait for Prince Charming, like some women do things like that. I said, no, no, I have to do this. And at that point in my life as well, I've met some great mentors, so they were helping me as well with my emotion and my depression, so I worked a lot on that. For you, this wasn't even about cutting down your
2: expenses to live more frugally. This was about getting out of a really deep hole.
1: It was. It was rock bottom. Emotionally, financially, it was.
2: Who would you tell about your financial troubles. Did your friends know how much trouble you were in?
1: No. My pride came in between that. My pride wouldn't let me tell anybody.
2: Where are you at in your process? How, how far
1: along are you? I've paid one off. One of the credit card is done. One is closely done. It will be paid off in June. The rest of it is 2019 I'll pay one off. And then 2021 and 2022. So I've got four more years to go. What would you say to somebody who's deeply in debt? Have a good look. Don't ignore it like I did. Sit down and go, okay, how much debt do I have? So that's the first process. Get real with it. And then have someone where you can talk about money. Someone close to you. It doesn't have to be a partner most of the time. It doesn't have to be your parents. Someone you connect with, share it. What will it be like when you're finally out of debt? I what? cannot wait for that day. I feel like saying I'll feel free, but I am free right now. Freer, I suppose. You'll feel even freer. Yeah.
2: How amazing is Najla? You know, the best part of the story was the bit you couldn't see. When she talked about that freedom, her face lit up. Like, you can see in her eyes what a difference it has made to the way she feels about herself getting on top of this debt. So if you're feeling like this is me, if you're feeling uncomfortable listening to this, good. That means maybe there's something you need to address. I'm working on it. Here's what I'm going to do. I've already blocked two out of four cards... We talked about getting a loan to pay them off, but we're not going to do that. We have sat down and we've made a really clear plan. And we can even see when it's all going to be paid off, which is very exciting, and we've just got to be really patient and really stick to our guns. But it's going to happen. Because it's only once you're honest with yourself and others that you can work out the best plan of action. For you, that could be picking up the phone and just asking for help. You can call the National Debt Helpline on one 7 7 And we've put all the information to help you get started on our website. We need to talk about this more. You can share your story too by emailing pineapple at abc.net.au. If you think there's someone in your life who would benefit from this show, tell them, subscribe to this show. You can find it in the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your very fine podcasts. I'm Claire Hooper and I'm digging myself out of debt. I hope you are too. On the next episode, it's the biggest purchase of your life. It feels really different actually living in a house that you own. Australia is obsessed with housing. So, can you crack the market? It's all about, you know, working the system to your own advantage, you know, squeezing the pineapple, getting every juice out of it, you know, and that means paying the least interest you can, borrowing the least you can. We started really small, you know, we didn't start with a four bedroom house, we started with half of a flat. If owning a house is on your bucket list, we'll have a how-to from saving and strategy to settlement. It's a bit of a chess beat, really.
3: Nothing to wait for now.
2: Generally, everyone who stands with their arms folded at an auction
3: is going to bid, and when they're running out of money, their shoulders drop. Bird call. You are negotiating with the
1: agent from the day you walk through the door and you meet him at the door.
3: When I looked into what the repayments would be, it was
2: very similar to what I was paying in rent. And not a single mention of smashed avocado. Don't miss it.
1: The program is mixed by John Jacobs. Consulting producer is Emily Stewart. It's produced by Rachel Fountain The executive producer is Monique Boley The manager of ABC Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon The Pineapple Project is a production of ABC Audio Studios